Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gaimia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Roxanne Lawler, Associate Pastor. We pray that you're blessed by listening to this sermon. Our series, What is the Church?, continues as we unpack different images the New Testament uses to describe God's church. This week, it's the family of God, and Associate Pastor Matt Willis speaks about how an ancient understanding of the family unit can help shape our modern practice in the church. We can find our identity as part of the family of God, know our responsibility to the family of God, and appreciate the diversity and impact of the family of God. Good morning. Our reading uh, today is Galatians 3, verse 23 to Galatians 4, um, verse 7. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. Good morning, church. It's great to be here this morning. It's great to have you all here, both on-site and Online. My name's Matt. Um, I am one of the associate pastors here at GBC. And as Rock said earlier, we are looking at the family of God today. And before I got into today's message, I, I wanted to acknowledge something. I wanted to acknowledge the fact that family can sometimes be a diverse experience. Um, some of us, when we think of family and our experience of family, we can think of happy memories, fond connections, and healthy connections. And for some of us, it can be hard. Um, it can be riddled with grief and frustration and challenges. Um, and as I speak about family dynamics today, I, I wanted to acknowledge that I'm not ignorant to the diverse experiences of family. And so as I speak about family, I'm talking about cultural and societal assumptions and ideas around family. Um, but I do hope that if you are someone who family has been a, 
a point of hurt and maybe even harm for you, that as we talk about being the family of God, that that can open up space for healing and help. Um, as Sonia said before, the pastors, myself, Rox and Mark, we're always here to talk and pray for you and we will have our prayer team available after the service if anything gets stirred up for you as we open up God's Word today. So with that said, let's get into today's message. We are continuing in our series, What is the Church? Looking at these images, looking at these metaphors that we find within Scripture that help us understand what the church is, who the church is and the role of the church in our world. And as has been said multiple times throughout this series, no one image, no one metaphor can give us a definitive definition of what the church is. We can't just grasp one image and fully understand the church in its entirety. They all provide us just one facet, one slice of the cake, one piece of the puzzle. And our job is to put the pieces together in order to get that big picture. No one image can answer all of our questions. But having said that, there is an argument for how regularly a certain image may come up for us in Scripture. And when it comes to the family of God, particularly the, Old, the New Testament Scripture, they are saturated with these familial metaphors, um, this language around who we are as the church and how that overlaps with who we are as a family. In fact, every single New Testament author, all bar one, Jude, speak of followers of Christ as siblings. These familial metaphors appear in 25 of the 27 New Testament Scriptures. Words and terms like new birth, uh, children of God, God the Father, brethren, mothers and brothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, household. These are terminologies that come up for us repeatedly within the Scripture. And in his letters to the church, Paul greets each church every single time in these familial languages, talking to them as siblings, brethren, brothers and sisters. And it's a term that he raises more than 130 times within the epistles. So within Scripture, the idea that the church is the family of God is a pivotal one. It's a profound one. It's a prominent one. And it's one that is important for us to consider And I think the reason why it is such a powerful image, such a powerful metaphor, is because the idea of family is one that transcends time and space. Family is a concept that wasn't just relevant in first century Middle East 2000 years ago when the Scriptures were being written, but they're still relevant for us. Even regardless of our own experiences, whether they're positive or negative, whether we're engaged in family or not, Our society, our culture affirms this assumption around family and the connections, the strength of the ties that family create for us. There's this kind of societal understanding that blood bonds and time binds and history and legacy and lineage is something that connects us to one another, that we are all a part of, we are all a branch of a family tree. We have all been born by a mother and have a father, whether we know them or not. 
And society even goes further to say that when we lose family or even remove ourselves from family, there's grief to that. There's hurt in that because that kind of separation of relationship is difficult to endure. So we even in our modern day context understand the significance of the idea of a family. Although family looks different, functions differently in all kinds of different circumstances. But then we add a further kind of dynamic to this idea of family, don't we? Because we are told that we are the family of God, that as the church, we are the family of God. And we need to consider exactly what does that look like for us? We may have our own experiences, but what does it mean to be a part of the family of God? And maybe you've kind of created your own image in your mind. But for me, I grew up with a very specific image um, pre- presented to me on a regular basis. Now, many of you might know, I, I grew up in a Catholic household. I went to a Catholic school. And so for me, um, every day, my, my primary school was actually called Holy Family. So we got presented with the image of the Holy Family on a regular basis. And it looked a little bit something like this. So here's Mary and Joseph. I mean, they've got a toddler, but they look very refreshed, very well slept, which I'm questioning. They look airbrushed. They look ready to go. And we've got Jesus, little baby Jesus, toddler, but behaving for a photo. Um, that's, a, that's a rarity. Blonde, even though he's Middle Eastern, we'll leave that alone. But it looks perfect, doesn't it? I mean, like, did Jesus ever throw a tantrum as a toddler? Did he ever push boundaries as a teenager? Did he ever talk back? Ooh, I wonder. But what I got presented as the family of God, God's literal family, was that they were perfect. And as a result, I projected that understanding onto God's wider family, the church. That to be a part of the church, I too needed to look a little bit like Mary and Joseph. I too needed to look a little primed and ready, pristine, perfect. But surely I'm not the only one who has had an experience of family that seriously contradicts this image. I wanna show you another photo. This is what my family looks like. I'm just going to let that sink in. Um, I do have consent to show this photo, by the way. And before people's breakfasts come up, let's get rid of it. <laughs> let me tell you a little bit something about this day. That's my wife, Sam, and our eldest son, Harper. At that point, he was about two months old. And so we had spent the first eight weeks of his life in that baby bubble. You might have heard about it. It's when you're feeling outrageously raw, vulnerable, completely overwhelmed, and the outside world is just petrifying to you. But on this particular day, Sam and I felt courageous and we were gonna go out, big plans. We're gonna walk up to the street, up the street and get a coffee. And we woke up and we felt, we felt ready and we got ready. And I remember for Sam, it being really significant that she wore a dress. She just wanted to feel a little bit more like herself. I'm sure many new mums can empathise with that. And we were literally putting on our shoes. We'd gotten through the whole morning and I'd handed Sam Harper, thankfully, and I heard a scream. And it was my wife um, in shock of what had happened because Harper literally had just dropped a bomb. Um, And 
Sam scream set off, Harper crying. It, clearly it was a bit of a hot mess. I, I paused to take a photo, but then I was helpful. <laughs> then I was helpful. So we get Harper in the bath, Sam and in the shower. And, and let's just put it this way. The day did not turn out the way that we had planned. Because the reality is, is that family is not pristine. It is not perfect. It is a hot mess every day. It is unpredictable, it is uncomfortable, and it can be frustrating. It can be challenging and complicated. More than anything, it can be hard work, waking up every morning and investing in these people that you are intrinsically connected with, loving them even when you may not like them, like my two-year-old when he wakes up multiple times every night. That is family. And as we explore what the family of God could mean for us, there are so many aspects of this metaphor that we could look into. God the Father and how that title informs us about our relationship with Him, our role as the family unit to go out into the world and share with others so that they might be adopted into this incredible family. But what I wanna talk about for us today is how we relate as a family how we live within that hot mess of family life, how we do the hard work day in and day out to invest in the family that we have been adopted into, that we are intrinsically connected into. And I think it starts by understanding a little bit about family dynamics. A couple of weeks ago, if you were with us, Rock spoke about the image of the Bride of Christ. And she, she shared with us a, a clearer understanding about first century Middle Eastern weddings and how they were incredibly different to what weddings look like today. And the true is same for families. The, the foundational principle of family probably remains the same, but the way that it looked, the way that it impacted the day-to-day is very different. Back when Scripture was being written for the audience who were first hearing these words, family was all-consuming. It was paramount. It was unavoidable. And one of the key impacts that it had on a person's life was that it shaped their identity. You might have seen in Scripture or just even in history that it was Jesus, son of Joseph, son of someone, that someone's name tied them to their family history. It wasn't because they hadn't come up with quippy last names yet. It was because someone's very name, the very core of who they were, their very identity was tethered to who they came from, their legacy, their lineage, their family tree. Jesus of Nazareth, it wasn't again because they couldn't think up of last names, it was because they wanted to tie a person to their place of origin, the community that they came from, the, the community that was responsible for them. Because again, back then the family unit was not this nuclear family, mum, dad and three kids. It was everyone it was the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, the grandparents, the every branch of the tree, even the ones that you wanted to avoid. Family was everything and it included everyone and it shaped your identity, which is very different to the world we live in now, isn't it? We live in this society of individualism where we're told to self-determine, self-identify and self-actualise. 
And I'm not saying that those things are wrong, they are important things, but we have swung to the complete other end of the spectrum. There is this repeated narrative of needing to move out, move on, move away in order to find yourself, almost as if you can't do that within a family unit. And when we apply that to church, it can have really detrimental impacts. If church is more just about me and not about the group, then church is just a place, a place where I can go, I can get what I need, and then I can leave. But if church is a family, a family that actually shapes and determines who we are as people, the kinds of followers of Jesus that we wanna be, then church is not a place, it is a family and it is about influence. It is about being open to being influenced by the people to your right and left behind and in front of you. The people who you share a coffee with after the service, the people who are in this room and to allow their stories, their experiences, the lessons that they've learned to challenge and shape our own understandings. If you were here with us last year as a church, we talked about the different discipleship contexts, that there's the church, there's also serving, there's small groups or life groups, there's those key few people in your life that you can really go deep with, and then there's your relationship with God. When we explore more than one, more than two of those contexts, we start to experience that family context. We start to experience the influence that the people in this room can have on our lives. I have an incredibly privileged position where I get to hear people's stories regularly. I get to hear the lessons that they've learned, the perspectives that they've got. And, and I can say with complete honesty that I am not the same person that I was when I started here seven years ago. And it's because of the people in this room. It's because I've had the opportunity to have time to allow them to influence me, to challenge me, to push me to consider new ways of thinking, new ways of experiencing God and His family. I'm sure you've heard that term, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And it's this idea that there is something, something within the bond of family that transcends choice. And for us, as followers of Jesus, it is Christ. In Galatians um, chapter three at 26, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you were all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then down to 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're all intrinsically connected because of what Jesus did on the cross because of what that means for us and the relationship that we get with God. This is a family we don't get to choose. But sometimes we can treat church as friends and we find people who make us feel comfortable, people who look like us, who sound like us, who do the same things as us, who make us feel like we're on the right track. And then we find that group and we stick with it. And all of a sudden church becomes a pocket within a pocket, within a pocket. And we wonder why so many people struggle with the clickiness of church and how exclusive it can be. 
And I think it's because sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we are not a group of friends, but we are a family intrinsically bound together. And when we do that, when we live in that way, it means opening ourselves up to be influenced, to be impacted, and for our identities to be determined by the very people who are a part of that family, regardless of how different they may be to us. Which leads me to the second kind of aspect, the second family dynamic that I think we find in Middle Eastern culture in first century. And it was that family meant responsibility. You had a deep ingrained responsibility to care for the needs of your family. And again, I'm not talking about that immediate circle. I'm talking about any and everyone who was linked to you in some way, shape or form. Again, one of the reasons why it was Jesus, son of Joseph, son of whoever, was so that if Jesus ever mucked up, I don't think he ever did, but you knew who to go to, to say your kid is causing a ruckus or maybe your kid needs help. And in an honour-shame society, it didn't necessarily matter what that person did that may have brought shame on them and it would have brought shame on their family, but it was even more shameful for you to skirt your responsibility to care for them, to provide food when they were hungry, clothes when they were cold, shelter when they were homeless, to be there for them in any and every way possible. And we too have the same responsibility as the family of God. But too often we can compartmentalise categorise and systemise our connections within church and allow division to stop us from actually being responsible for caring for everyone in this family. In verse 28, Paul says this, "'There is neither Jew nor Gentile, "'neither slave nor free, "'nor is there male and female, "'for you are all one in Christ Jesus.'" And Paul is speaking of three really significant barriers within the ancient world that kept different groups of people from interacting in public. Ethnic, social and gender-based divisions were meant to keep, protect superior parties from, being, from having to interact with inferior people. And yet the gospel makes us siblings. It breaks down those barriers and turns rejects into royalties. It turned the neat categorical boxes of the ancient world upside down and the church became about connection and it became about care. Care for all, regardless of how different they are, of the journey that they had been on, the life that they had lived, the, the stumbles that they had encountered, the failures that they had lost. It didn't matter who they were. What mattered was that they were a part of the family. And we too have that same responsibility to care for all, regardless of our differences. Division has no place in the family of God, but diversity should be something that we celebrate because it is actually really good for us. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God calls us into the family of God. Because when we interact with someone who is different, 
someone whose experience is other, someone whose perspective kind of pushes against ours, then we are refined in that moment. And together we can learn from each other, grow from each other and become better because of each other. Our responsibility is not just about providing care for others. It's about opening up opportunities to grow ourselves, to learn ourselves and to be shaped ourselves by every member of this family. Paul and the other New Testament writers make it incredibly clear that getting saved and becoming a member of God's family is inseparable. They are intrinsically linked, simultaneous events. You cannot have one without the other. And Paul says in verse four of chapter four, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's children. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The adoption papers have been signed. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, welcome to the family. You didn't get to choose it, but if you allow it, it will shape you in ways you never thought possible. It will open up opportunities to know others in incredible ways. And it will have impact that permeates not just within these four walls, but outside of it, where the world will see the family of God and know that He is our God and we are His people. So the question for us is not whether we are a part of God's family, but what kind of family member we wanna be. And are we ready and willing to be our brothers and our sisters keeper? Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and then Rox is gonna come up and wrap up the service. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that you are a God who, although sits on the throne, knows us the way a father knows us, loves us the way a father loves us and invites us into your family. And you do that not just so that we can have connection with you, Lord, but connection with each other. That with all the different people, all the different experiences that you pull together into your family, that we can learn from, from one another, grow from one another, be better because of one another. Lord, I pray that we be a family who celebrate diversity, but Lord, don't allow it to create division. That we can be people who are shaped by those around us and care for those around us. That we can be your family, Lord, and know what that means for us in our lives. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. So what kind of family member do you want to be? We pray that this message has challenged you and encouraged you to pray and seek more of God. We ask that God blesses you as you seek to follow Jesus today.